Hello, Chiefs Kingdom, and welcome to the Arrowhead Kingdom Chiefs cast live from the MKE, where we will be talking Chiefs and all things NFL. I am Chris. And I'm Josh, and today we're going to be talking the NFL draft. Apparently, four hours and 15 minutes of it last Thursday wasn't <laughs> enough, so we're going to talk about that today. And a big reminder that all Chiefs fans are invited to join us for game day. Visit arrowheadkingdom.org to learn more about the group and to find your local chapter. And please make sure to like, share, and subscribe to our channel. Today, we'll be talking about your Kansas City Chiefs with Brian Reynolds, who in mind, Josh's hearts means that Andy Richter is Brian Reynolds-esque. Yeah, there you go. And uh, we're, of course, presented by Complete Weddings and Events, your leading provider, photo, video, DJ, <laughs> photo booth, lighting, and coordination services. Visit them at completewedo.com. So like we said, uh, four hours and 15 minutes is how long we live streamed for last week, Thursday. Very impressive. That was yeah. very impressive. Yeah, yeah. that... that uh, that turned into a job halfway through, not going to lie. Um, so <laughs> four, four hours and 15 minutes, we, we, did, the, uh, we did the live stream. Um, I think we definitely have more live stream type of content like that in our future. So we'll uh, want you to make sure you're keeping track of what we're doing and uh, we'll, we'll keep everybody in the loop. We've got more live streaming coming up. But I think today we're recapping the draft. And so let's start with the uh, way that we kind of started our draft coverage with our first round pick one Orlando Brown Jr. <laughs> who is a offensive tackle from the University of Oklahoma who was also a two-time pro bowler that we got in a trade with the Ravens so uh, anything left to say about that Chris? No and no, I plan on writing more about it in, uh, in our blog but uh, I mean it's a great move for 2021. And I hope that it pans out to be a, a really good long-term investment. But in, in terms of shoring up Patrick Mahomes' blind side for next year, I think they they accomplished that with Orlando Brown. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, honestly, I don't care what happens past 2021. I really hope they sign him to a long-term contract, which means that I, I hope he means that he uh, wants to stay around. And I hope that at the end of this season, he's played so well this year, shoring up Patrick Mahomes' blind side that it's the obvious move to sign him to a long-term contract and everything just works itself out. That's, that's pretty much the uh, only extra tidbit that I would give. So, uh, Brian, what are your thoughts on Orlando Brown, our new left tackle? I would say that, um, I mean, and this is, goes along with like the whole line as well, but I will, I mean, not the whole line, but in this case, I think the sentiment was that, you know, you could take the uh, a draft pick of uh, someone who's like not uh, tested in the NFL uh, in a situation like a situ situation like that. There's something to be said with uh, obviously uh, it's not someone new uh, coming out a little, little bit younger, but no, this is uh, time tested and someone who, uh, like you said, pro bowler. And uh, there's something about that that like okay, we can we can do that with a draft pick and use it like that situation, or we can do uh, this seems like a safer bet uh, in my from my uh, kind of opinion. Uh, uh, we'll see how it plays out. Obviously, uh, uh, obviously, you know, it's just it, uh, everything is kind of uh, skeptical or, uh, you know, we're predicting at this point, but feels pretty, uh, I gotta say, when you have a person who's what, 6'9, 330, and uh, makes the Pro Bowl, like it's gonna be, man. that's a large person, and uh, yeah. it's gonna be hard to get around that person. So, shore that up with the other uh, players we got on the line. I think, uh, I think Mahomes has himself a wall to work with here. So, it's looking good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so maybe maybe uh, we can kind of jump the gun a little bit. We haven't in the offseason done any if this week was a song. Maybe this week is a song. Can we all just align and say that another brick in the wall by Pink Floyd is what our <laughs> song is going to be? Because uh, the amount of the amount of offensive line shoring up that we did, not only uh, before the draft, but what's been happening uh, during the draft as well. I think, um, you know, he's another brick in the wall. Yeah, I, I concur I like with that. <clears throat> All right, yeah, so we're yeah. aligned. <laughs> yes. But I do think education is still a very important thing, uh, though you should question if your teachers are like spoon-feeding you <laughs> propaganda. However, not to say that's the purpose of uh, that song. It kind of is, but yeah. Well, but how are you supposed to get your record, meat if you don't but, eat yeah. your pudding? Or how are, you, how are you supposed to get your pudding if you don't eat your meat? That's what it that's is. Right. I mean, come on. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Maybe the teacher but should leave the kids alone just a little pudding. bit. <laughs> 
don't speak. Well, what, what was interesting, we had um, Chris Stockdale come on during the uh, live stream, which, by the way, he was a great guest um, for, for a draft was. analysis. And he came in and he actually uh, taught school at the University of Oklahoma. And when we were talking about, um, I think I think we were talking about uh, mainly just uh, Orlando Brown and everything, but he, he made a comment about being a teacher, teaching underground ki- undergrad kids, and he could you know, see the athletes that were serious about making sure that they checked all the boxes they were supposed to. And we, we talked a bit about how that kind of shows um, if you're a professional, your role is a professional. And if you're a, if you're a true pro, you're in school for a reason. So what's the point in just bombing out and getting a D or an F, you know, you're, you're there, make uh, the most of it. And, um, you know, that, that was, that was one of the places that we kind of went. And I think that that lends to whatever your profession is, you know, there's, there's a difference between, you know, kind of skating and just truly mailing it in and, uh, you know, not putting any effort into something and definitely have to admire the ones who put the effort in. Well, my, my thought process on that is if you are an elite athlete, you, it happens because uh, not because only because you're like obviously physically talented but also your discipline level is very high you're very very high and that bleeds into other things as well like uh i mean it's not always the case but it it seems like a good fit for anyone who is like can perform at a d1 level or any college level or or any kind of especially professional like yeah you have the same you have all the tools needed uh (laughs) to like stay focused and to, to perform at a high level that's the essentially what a, when you're like a, working the muscle that is your brain uh and working like through academia so yeah that, that i've always never a professional athlete like if like uh if people were talking about uh, along something along the lines that yeah they they uh, skated by or they, they were focused I'm like i'm not surprised i mean professional athletes are disciplined individuals uh i that, that's essentially what you got to do when you're in school is just stay focused and perform well oh it, it's hard to say that also as a uh, performers you also have you know practices every twice a day and you have to perform in front of ten thousand people or twenty thousand people but still i i and i'm thinking like well they have all the uh, the discipline and the focus to do it so yeah i mean i would imagine uh, there's a lot of uh, high level uh, academic achievement in that world so there's a saying that I've always kind of uh, gone by and, and, and like, and this is more from a professional standpoint, but you always get eventually one job beyond where you're supposed to be. And so you could talk about that as the uh, coordinator who's great in the NFL that can't make it as a head coach. So think Romeo Cornell. That, that's a good example there. Mm-hmm. Um, Charlie Weiss is another one of those when we're talking about former coordinators that we had. Yeah, North Turner. And, and so yeah. you have something like that. So in professional business, it's the same way. And it's like the uh, director that just has no business being a director because you know they can't run a team of, of 10 people. And I think that uh, as a professional athlete or as an athlete in general, um, you're raw just being a, a beast human being skill can take you so far and depending on who you are will will tell you how far you can take it but i would i would say that uh there's not a single nfl player that i can think of with the exception of maybe randy moss that was just good to play in the league without putting the tremendous amount of focus in and you look at uh, guys like tom brady and he's 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 the epitome of tremendous focus and he's uh, he's the equivalent of like a Bill Gates or a Jeff Bezos. You know, there's not a job that's too big for you. <laughs> you know, you're you've obviously figured it out. So you uh, you kind of broke the world, and uh, now you're just uh, competing against yourself. And uh, you know, guys like Brady kind of have that vibe. But um, you know, you can you can think of all kinds of athletes who just come in and they're freaks of nature and they play for a couple seasons. And it's like, well, you know, maybe if you wouldn't go out and wreck your body on the weekends and you'd treat it like tom brady did you'd be playing for 20 years <laughs> and and that brings me to this thought as well like uh, uh like a tom brady situation or any one of the athletes it's like yeah they, they're in football and they like football it's a lot of fun or they are they're really they have a lot of football intelligence and they spend a lot of time working on it practicing and studying it and i think yeah you put any of that kind of focus on any kind of job skill l- learning programming languages if you spend as much time playing football and playing as you did like and put that time into learning a programming language like uh, you would probably be a employed at google or apple in no time because the amount of focus you put your 10 uh, like malcolm gladwell said you put your ten thousand hours in on anything and you'll be become an expert on it uh, but it just so happens that their talents and their their focus and their energy and their inspiration is you know football related and makes total sense to me. Yeah, go get it if that's what you like to do and that's what you're you're talented at and you like 
and you're you're good at it go get it yeah big believer in the ten thousand hour thing i've uh, i've always loved that concept um so let, let's get into our first actual draft pick which was in round two pick number 58 so we have missouri linebacker nick bolton um chris what are your thoughts on nick bolton um, you know, I've heard a lot of different takes on Nick Bolton and a lot of different angles here. I, I think Nick Bolton helps probably add to what I consider to be the weakest unit on the team, which is the linebacker uh, position. And as, um, gosh, I think it was uh, the guys on Arrowhead Pride, they were saying, the good thing about this is that you don't have to see as much of 56, which he talked a lot about Ben Neiman, which, you know, don't get me wrong. Ben Neiman definitely plays his ass off and he does, he's good at a few things, but to have a guy in there like Nick Bolton, who, you know, from what I understand is a guy who can actually, um, I don't know if he's a true complete sideline to sideline linebacker, but it sounds like he can cover ground. And also he, he pretty much hits guys very hard. He's a, he's a very hard tackler. So just having a guy like that, you know, compliments, you know, Anthony Hitchens, which uh, that's the other stipulations that eventually after the Chiefs move on from Anthony Hitchens that uh, Nick Bolton's going to be the Mike linebacker. Um, that's, that's, I think, the long-term vision for him. And also to compliment Willie Gay, I, I think, that's it's a good pick. I mean, it's it, it definitely fits a need. And I did hear from some people that he was a late first round pick. So to get him at 58 sounds like good value. Yeah, I would say that I, I agree. Um, the thing that jumped out at me from just a play standpoint is uh, he, he's been called by numerous um, different, you know, venues, avenues, whatever you want to say as a uh, tackling machine. And I would say if you look at uh, the difference between a good defense and a bad defense in the NFL, I think a lot of times can come down to how good are they at tackling? And that seems pretty, pretty uh, basic, but um, uh, you know, common sense isn't common and, and not every NFL defender is, is good at tackling. So to have a guy out there who's going to be in the middle of the field, cover a lot of ground and who's going to hit as hard as he can and wrap up and have the best, you know, tackle form uh, seems like a, a good fit for a defense that's got a Super Bowl ambition every single year playing on the other side of our offense. The other thing that I have to point out um, that, that wasn't lost on me, our uh, greatest chief and most people's, you know, minds, um, Derek Thomas, number 58. I think it's crazy that we picked the linebacker with pick number 58. Yeah, uh, I think obviously a different kind of player. Um, he, he's not going to be the, uh, the Derek Thomas, just crazy edge rusher. I don't know. Maybe he will, you know, who, who knows what we have. Um, I'd be happier if he uh, turned into the uh, kind of sideline to sideline linebacker that we had with Derek Johnson. That's what I would love to see out of this guy. Um, that's the ceiling, if, hopefully. Yeah. If that's a position that he's going to play, but uh, still it's just, it's really cool to see a linebacker come in at pick number 58 to Kansas city. I, I think that's just super cool. Um, I just, I I'm really concerned if he wears the 32 like he did in college. I'm just afraid that opposing teams are not going to be able to recognize that he's playing as at a linebacker position. Know, think of, why is the running back running at me? Who's yeah. And somebody's probably going to get time. hurt. And know. you know, I'm, I'm really concerned if we play the bucks again, like God, that's, Super stupid Bowl. Rule. that's stupid. Rule. I can't believe they, they changed thinking? that Jersey rule. I can't believe they changed that Jersey rule. Oh, Brian, any thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> well, my trolling Tom is... Brady, by the way, Brian, if you <laughs> want to join in on yes, that. Uh, well, I'm looking at Nick Bolton's stats right here. Uh, six feet tall, 232. So that means I'm six feet tall. So if I lose 20 pounds, does that mean I get to play for the Chiefs? Do I qualify? Uh, well, then I'm looking at this other number, born in 2000. And I believe I was a junior in high school at that time. So maybe that's the stat I need to focus on. <laughs> oh, God, guys, born after 2000. Um, and while, while I was getting my driver's license, this guy was entering the world. And here we are now. And yeah, right. I'm excited to see two-time All-SEC. And um, looks like uh, he's a player. So let's see what happens. Yeah. All right. So let's go on to our next pick at the uh, 63rd pick. 
we took a center one Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma. So Chris, what are your thoughts on him? I think this now makes the offensive line probably the deepest unit on the team. I mean, now you've you've added on a guy who, you know, maybe he's he's another Mitch Morse or Rodney Hudson type of talent, which if that's true, hell yes, sign Good me up. Good God, yeah. <laughs> um, and even if he's not, you've got Austin Blythe at least. Keep him around so, past his rookie contract if that's the case. Yeah, <laughs> no kidding. But, I mean – name a weak spot on the offensive line right now i mean it's i know there's a bit unknown right now with lucas niang but i think i i have confidence in lucas niang's talent so i i think this definitely makes makes this potentially one of maybe the you know top five offensive lines in football i'll go so far to say that if we also believe that orlando brown can be what he can be yeah, which uh, I don't know that there's a better thing that you could do if you've got your Patrick Mahomes and you have the weapons that he have. I mean, top five offensive line. I, bring it on. Good God. Mm -hmm. uh, what I think is crazy is that let's just say that Lucas Niang finds his way into the starting offensive line and Creed Humphrey finds his way into the starting offensive line. That means two out of the five starting linemen went through their entire college <laughs> career without giving up a sack. It's like that, yeah. that, that's insane. In the Big 12. In the Big 12. In the Big 12, where I, they don't run yeah. the ball in the you Big 12. The they, like, they wing it. They wing it. Like 100 pass plays that's how a game. we do it. <laughs> that? that's, yeah, yeah, that's how we do stuff. That's how we do stuff. Yeah, we're, we're good to go. Spray and pray so. over here. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Spray and pray. Yeah. Oh. And, uh, and, and think about the quarterbacks that he was snapping to. He was snapping to Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts. So, I mean, he's yeah, yeah. He's played with some pretty good players. Or, absolutely, absolutely, yeah. yeah. Might as well snap it to Mahomes as well. Um, right. Brian, what are your thoughts on Creed Humphrey? Well, you mentioned the Big 12. I was thinking, well, Texas Tech, our quarterback, also Big 12, if I recall correctly. So, yeah, yeah. basically, it's like a bun up. Big 12 really just kind of bringing the heat here <laughs> for, yeah. for this situation. Uh, yeah, no, uh, uh, another uh, what is here two-time first team all big 12 second team all big 12 and big 12 offensive lineman of the year 2019-2020 i think the guy got his degree in finance too really it probably Which is another one of those things you can't mail it in you know i yeah. mean and, oh, you i can. bet you i bet you when he turns 65 he'll probably be making more money doing that than he'll make in the nfl i bet you when he takes his big contract and, and makes that compounding interest work for him i yes. guarantee you he's going to be making more money that way I mean, there's, there's certain uh, business degrees that you can mail it in on to a certain degree. Finance is not one of them. No. I, I can assure you of that. <laughs> it is not. It is not. <laughs> the, no. Those were, those were the classes in my, uh, in my MBA classes where the uh, teacher's just like, look, I know you don't like this. I know that this isn't uh, the type of stuff you want to do. I'm going to get you through this class. Cause I guarantee that you could, you know, sell circles around me so let's just kind of help each other out we'll, we'll go from there um the other thing that jumped out at me uh, about creed humphrey is that he was born in uh, 1999 about a month after i graduated high school so this is another great just uh way to way to age everybody um right. really appreciate that creed uh, there's nothing that made me happier than seeing that uh kind of reminds me back to um first first like job outside of college i worked for a temp agency and they put me um doing payroll for uh for like a major um franchise uh restaurant organization so i had an entire region of something like 120 stores that i did payroll for and so part of the job of working in payroll is uh they hire new people at all these different retail stores and it's retail fast food so there was a lot um spent a ton of time doing that and uh i remember seeing a lot of uh like late 80s at the time you know mid 80s birthdays stuff like that and just like mm -hmm. the first day that i got a 1991 i was just like jesus good god judas priest what 1991 i, I like this this person's in diapers right it's like how are they working at a at a restaurant it's like oh jesus i'm almost yeah all right cool. I'm going to put this in. <laughs> and uh, so that, that was kind of my vibe looking at Creed Humphrey. It's just like, yep, of course we have uh, people born in the late nineties and early two thousands that are playing professional football now. Hey, you guys remember Y2K? Remember that? 
I do remember Y2K. <laughs> okay, so yes. so Chris, what did you do for for uh, Y2K New Year's? Let's see. I was a freshman in college, so I probably don't remember much about that night. But uh, well, no, that was my high school senior year. Well, still don't remember much about that night. But uh, did you graduate in two thousand or ninety nine? Yeah, two thousand. So that yes. would have been my senior year in high school. So that would have been my freshman year in college. Or, or I was probably doing the overnight or the midnight shift at High V. I wouldn't be surprised, but yeah. Yeah. Now I just remember sitting in my buddy's basement. We we're just like, all right, let's see if the lights go off. It's like, shit, they got all the computer code done. Damn it. <laughs> I was babysitting. I was babysitting. Damn, damn Peter Gibbons. <laughs> I was wondering if you were playing <laughs> Peter Gibbons. <laughs> yeah, Peter, I'm going to have to go ahead and ask you to, uh, you know, go ahead and uh, fill but, that code out. But I was told I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume between 8.30 and I'm, 9.30. When I'm, when I'm collating, if he gets to listen to that while he's uh, accounting, what do I listen to this when I'm collating and... Uh, yeah, Damon feels good to be a gangster. Brian, we interrupted you. What were you yeah. going to say? Oh, sorry. I was, uh, I was babysitting. I was babysitting the night of Y2K. I remember uh, the kid I was uh, babysitting. He was, um, God, probably around six or seven at the time. I was, uh, was I like 15? Maybe I was about 15 at that time. And, uh, and uh, yeah, I remember when the, it turned 2000. And uh, also, I was like waiting for a plane to fall out of the sky. That didn't happen. And that's good. But I don't know. If you're from Hayes, Kansas, uh, what I'd like to do is I watch Channel 8. And you watch yeah. the year change. I always watch the year change. It was always like a minute and a half behind <laughs> the actual thing. But I was like, I wanted to watch that number change for some reason. Like the year change there. It's like watching the, the, the odometer in your car go from 100, like 999,000 to 100,000 or whatever. Yeah. Okay. So you brought up Channel 8. We need to talk about what Channel 8 was. So Channel 8 was, for the most part, what I remember growing up is it was polka music because uh, we're in Hayes, Kansas. So it was polka music and it was all these different colored strips and it was like news. So think of the earliest uh, video animation that you can possibly think of. Um, just bad PowerPoint, just, you know, ooh. strips going, but there was always like the clock countdown. And uh, so you could, you could listen to, uh, you know, an accordion and some, <laughs> You know, guy going all of acquaintance be God, <laughs> right as uh, right as everything went, yeah. And um, yeah, well, I always thought of it as like uh, now, now that I reflect on it, it's like classified ads, like for whatever local business. It was classified ads, was, yeah, yeah. We really cheat to buy it too. You can, like buy ads on there, and it's like it didn't cost very much, and you you like put your opinions on there. Remember that personal opinion guy? He always like yeah. commented on stuff. I didn't know what he was talking about. There's like references to whatever's going to local government. And he would always be like flashing. It was like that annoying flashing on like those websites. Like yeah, it was those Ron Hubs. Yeah. So what I think we really missed out on is uh, that Craigslist wasn't a thing at the same time as this. We didn't have this meld together where you had like misconnections. You know, I was yeah. in the Dillons and Hayes and I saw you across the produce aisle. Uh, yeah. That would have been great. Oh, that would, you know what? If, uh, you know, hindsight is 2020. We missed out. But, you know, we could always go back and put that channel out again. I mean, shit, people watched it back then. Why oh, would hey, they now? <laughs> hey, we should make a parody video using Channel 8 as a template. And we should like uh, make it like a comedy, uh, some sort of comedy sketch like that using that. I don't know what it is yet, but make it promote Pick up the phone and call OK Go. They'll write a song for us. <laughs> <laughs> OK Go. Okay, sure. okay. Why not? <laughs> I'll, I'll bring out my accordion if I have to and get the polka music going. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Okay. So uh, I think that we uh, just committed ourselves to a music episode. Um, yeah. Yeah. That would have been good. Um, I, think I, can, I think I can recreate that channel, by the way, just with what I know with uh, Premiere Pro and with uh, just... Uh, I have no doubt in my mind you could recreate that channel. I, I yeah. wouldn't be surprised if our kids could recreate that channel. This <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're right. Probably could be done on a tablet or something at this point. <laughs> This was a high paying job at one time. Exactly. This was? You're kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I remember uh, the, the newspaper. It was whatever replaced the far side. I think it was called Close to Home, but there was one comic one time and it had, uh, it had, uh, it, it was uh, the par every parent's dream. And it was this mom sitting here 
picturing her kids sitting with a Nintendo controller and looking at a classifieds in a newspaper to date when this happened. And it was something like high paying jobs for people that are good at Nintendo experience. Mario player needed a hundred thousand dollars salary. <laughs> 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 it's like, yeah, where do I turn my resume in? Um, <clears throat> but anyway, well, Twitch streamers make that nowadays playing Mario. So I guess it kind of worked out exactly yeah well speaking of mario my uh my five-year-old son watches a ton of um mario videos and, and it's just hmm. watching watching mario play that he watches on youtube and um so we're we're trying to get him over the hump of um not being afraid of the water and swim lessons and so i have him and his sister and uh we're doing swim lessons. And so I kind of shame him back and forth. I'm just like, well, you're not going to have a worse swim lesson than your sister did. Right. You know, <laughs> and I'm going to her going, uh, there's no way your brother is going to be a better swimmer than you. And so that, that gets them to uh, loosen up a little bit. But uh, the thing that really got my son over the edge was he's just like, well, I want to swim like Mario. And I'm like, all right, let's swim like Mario. I'll play the goddamn music when we get in the car, you know, and uh, so it was like, swimming. <laughs> Come up for air. <laughs> Mario can hold his breath forever. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we watch those too. Yeah, my son loves Mario. Uh, it's it's really easy to watch too. I could watch it for hours, like watching how good they've gotten at playing those games and like, oh, this is. Oh yeah. And they find secrets I didn't even know because I wasn't gonna pay for Nintendo Power magazine. I'm just like, uh, you get to have like a friend who knew something, or you have to like get that magazine. I'm like, um, I don't have either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, all right, so let's uh, let's get into our next pick because um, we're still talking about the Chiefs draft. All right. Um, all right. So in the fourth round, pick 144, we got a Florida State DN. That's uh, Joshua Kendo. And uh, so, yeah, what are your thoughts on him, Chris, our first offensive player that we took? Well, so what I heard about Joshua Kando was that when he was being recruited out of high school, he was actually the third ranked recruit in the nation. So guys got talents, uh, clearly, because uh, I, I believe the number one recruit that year was Chase Young, just to kind of put some perspective on that. But um He's he's six foot seven, two sixty five. Like, and I, I constantly hear the uh, he's the Steve Spagnolo prototype defensive end size, and it sounds like he has a ceiling. He just couldn't reach it at, at Florida State, probably because that football program has been a dumpster fire um, over the last you know, probably his three or four years there. But uh, Jimbo Fisher left, yeah, yeah. So I mean, after there, a title with Jameis. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, there's some talent there. So if, if they can unlock it and, and get this guy, you know, basically to reach his potential, they might have a steal there in the fourth round. Yeah. The rap that I keep seeing is that he needs to develop and stay healthy. Um, you know, health and injury history seems to be kind of the thing, but yeah, he's a base defensive end uh, for a three, four or for a four, three scheme. So yeah, he's a Spagnolo guy. Um you know, Spagnolo's <laughs> schemes where he works the best are uh, really when you're doing what the, the Bucks did to us in the Super Bowl. You just have a front four that gets a ton of pressure, um, which means you have to have good defensive ends. And, uh, you know, Mike Dana seemed to have a good year as a rookie last yeah, year. He, uh, he started to contribute. So uh, I, I just look at this as uh, any kind of pressure that we can put on the Frank Clarks of the world um, is, is a good thing. And uh Realistically speaking, I hope that he uh, looks at the the fact that they drafted a DN two years in a row and it ticks him off and he plays better. That's uh, <laughs> that's 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 what I really want more than anything. Well, he's still raking in over twenty million a year, so I don't think he's going to get too ticked off. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I, I I think that guy gets motivated by pressure in, in a so, pretty big way. I I don't think it takes a whole lot to get that guy riled up. Um, no. So let's just make sure we're pointing this avalanche in the right direction. <laughs> No, but I, I don't see – I don't think Kando is going to get a whole lot of snaps in his rookie year given his – I think he's an experience in college. But, you know, if he if he can make the rotation and and be one of those – you know, if he can be a third down guy, I mean, that I think that would probably be the, the most you could expect out of him in his rookie year. Yeah, for sure. Brian, any thoughts on our new defensive end? And I said first uh, defensive pickup. That's, that's the only defender we picked up. It is, yeah. Well, yeah, um, I mean, 
when I'm looking at the the games last year, I was just counting up. I was trying to do some stats in my head about like the number of games we won by, or the, it was within one score. Mm-hmm. And I counted 11. So someone checked me on that to make sure I'm wrong. Uh, I think that's about right though. When I'm looking at this. So that, you right, know, yeah. that's, that seems to me that signals to me like the, the more weapons we have on defense. So uh, obviously we have our offensive weapons. We know what we got there. Uh, and um, I was, I remember watching the season going through it thinking like uh, defense seemed to hold their own, uh, but except for a couple suggestions, a uh, couple games there, but I, I never w- walked away from a game thinking when our defense is just uh, like uh, at least last season, I never felt like it was what it was the year before that. Remember the Indianapolis Colts game where they just ran over us with the running game uh, the year before. And there was a number of times I remember sitting with my friends and we're all kind of down and out. And I was like, you know, these are professional athletes, they will figure it out that they, they know what they're doing. They know how to adjust. They know what their school, their, their skill sets are. We just got to find a, a process that works and find a, a program that works. And that's, you know, what a defensive coordinator uh, Spags does. And, and, and it was uh, with, you know, uh, that year, remember it was, uh, that was so great avail as we won the Super Bowl. And last year, I remember thinking like, you know, we uh, never really put me like uh, on like, Give me, put me it back, our defensive game. But when I look at the 11 scores with one, uh, with one, one game, one score, 11 <clears throat> games with one score, the weapons we have uh, to build that up as well. Because I know the discussion, the, the, you know, front page above the fold headline is offensive line, offensive line, offensive line. But we cannot just let the other side of the, the ball uh, get away from us and the discussion going. So I'll be interested to see how this plays out. But yeah, just remember yeah. that name. Brian, I think that's a great point. I think I said this before, but. I think the offense gets too much blame for these one score games to say the offense took their foot off the pedal. Well, you know what? The defense was giving up a lot of yards and points late. And part of the reason why is because they couldn't get to the quarterback when they knew the other team was passing the ball every down to try and catch back up. So, I mean, to me, that was actually, I think that was a kind of an unspoken factor as to why, the Chiefs were were getting, you know, as some people would accuse them of just getting by and, and not looking motivated. But I, I don't, I definitely wouldn't say that about the Chiefs. But you know, if if they actually could get off the field in the third third and fourth quarter, I don't think they end up in games that close. Yeah, I mean, let, let's be honest though. Uh, our our uh, line not letting us run the ball effectively participated in that as well. Uh, we, we weren't a perfect team, but I never felt, uh, kind of like Brian said, I never felt like our defense was a liability, like in 2018, um, you know, in 2000, in 2018, I think we were all kind of waiting for the defense to be the thing that pulled the rug out from under us. And they totally did, you know, in that, uh, in that AFC championship game. And I wouldn't say that that's what happened last year, but I, I have to say, Chris, I agree with you that, uh, the defense didn't keep up the uh, end of uh, holding a lead um, as well. But I also think that the, uh, you know, offensive line was, was a pretty big culprit. And yeah. um, when you're talking about things that you can control uh, heavily, I would like to have uh, seen a little bit more, I guess, talent coming in on defense, but um, you know, one of the comments that I made, I, I think this was on uh, one of the Arrowhead Kingdom Facebook groups, is that I'll be happy with the amount of linemen we have when we have two starters in every position. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. well, I'll say this to kind of close this out. I mean, it, it's the NFL, it's not college, it's not easy to win in the NFL. And yeah, so what if you rip off 11 games that are just one score? That's still 11 wins. And I mean, you're, you're beating other guys that are getting paid to beat you. So I, it, yep. I, I, I don't like the fact that I think some people try to take away what the Chiefs did. They were 14-2, and two, for Christ's sake. And I, I don't care if they were winning games by one score. They won 14 out of 15 games where they had their main guys out there on the field. Yep, yep, great. Great, uh, great points there. So let's move on to our next thing as we get back to the offense. Um, so we're going to pick a half line, half uh, weapon with uh, <laughs> Noah Gray. The Chiefs traded up to get Noah Gray from Duke. So what's the thought process on Noah Gray? Um, I'm glad to see them take a tight end. They traded up for him, so they like the guy. Um, I, I keep hearing that he may not be – maybe your prototypical size for a tight end. They keep throwing out the, uh, the term H back with him. I mean, he's a hybrid tight end running back or fullback. 
Um, when I keep hearing that, the guy that I actually think about is Kyle Juszczyk at the 49ers, which if he's comparable to Kyle Juszczyk, that's a big win right there because Kyle Juszczyk is a, a hell of a football player. He's a very good receiver. So, um, yeah, I mean, if he can at least be a, a guy who can um, complement Travis Kelsey as a receiver as a tight end, I think that's going to help the offense a lot. Yeah, so uh, the, the things that I'm reading about him is that uh, he was sure-handed, so he had 107 catchable targets in college, and he had three drops. Yeah. So that's impressive. It's also saying that um, he did the majority of his damage with underneath passes. And so uh, that definitely um, the thing about being versatile, he lined up all over the place. So he lined up in the slot. He lined up on the end of the line and also in the backfield. And it looks like he lined up in the slot the most, which uh, I think it's kind of funny that he came out as a tight end, but it doesn't matter. Uh, All I know is that almost Andy Reid told us that we should expect to be seeing a tight end. Um, I think that he was expecting a little more in the uh, second or third round, but you know, Hey, I mean, (laughs) the idea that uh, we're going out and getting Mahomes another weapon. I mean, I, I, I've said this numerous times that I, I think that when you have your quarterback figured out, when you look at your first three rounds of a draft, you should look at getting a weapon. You should look at getting uh, protection. You should look at getting just an athlete that can contribute in a major way. Um, Ideally, you get some of those things to overlap and you can address both sides of the ball and everything like that. But I would say if we're looking at the uh, first picks, you know, we talked about four. So um, obviously bringing in Orlando Brown, but so our first three picks were a uh, linebacker, a defensive end. So yeah, totally botched that where our first defensive player came off in our first pick that we made. Um, so we took two of those and four right. offensive players. I, I'm a moron. Um, but so we, we grabbed the linebacker we, who was an athlete. We grabbed a solid just uh, protection piece in Creed Humphrey. And then we picked a, a good player as a defensive end. But, you know, we get into the fifth round and we're picking a weapon that a lot mm-hmm. of people thought were going to be gone before. So, you know, uh, great job, Brett Veach. And uh, happy to see another uh, target for Mahomes to throw to. And I hope he blocks well as well. Um, Brian thoughts. Well, uh, my, whenever, uh, Chris was talking about, um, kind of Kelsey size, I will say this, at uh, Noah's six, four Kelsey, six, five, and Kelsey is two sixty, and Noah at this point was two forty. So he just needs to pack a few McGribs in himself and eat a few of those. And he should be- <laughs> Hey, we have a, we have a source for that, right? We're trying to get JJ Watt to come to town. We, That's uh, right. we tracked down some <laughs> McGribs. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I, I think the, the rub on, on, uh, on gray is that uh, there was talk that his arms aren't long enough or something like oh, that, okay. which, right. which is going to come into play when you're trying to block the long defensive ends, I guess. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that kind of seems to the, uh, the the thing where you got a bunch of people that were on a camera for four and a half hours and needed to have something to talk about well, if you're yeah. if you're tied in as blocking a defensive end there's something wrong with your defensive scheme or your offensive like, scheme so it's, it's like yeah. that scene from Moneyball where they're breaking down the pictures yeah. like now nah, he's got an ugly girlfriend no confidence like that's not a that's not how that works guys guys we are card counters at the poker table <laughs> It's like you're um, just sitting here. It's just like that, 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 that. All you're doing is just talking. Big chin, you're talking. Big chin doesn't look right. I'm like that's not having the thing to do anything. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, I will say this though. I, 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 here I'm looking at the stats at goduke.com, and I want to say this to anyone listening who maybe works in the stats field and look on websites. Uh, go to goduke.com. Make your website look like this because they lay out the stats very nicely. Apparently, Duke cares about how their stats are presented, and it's really easy to use. So now this is a website I will back because they do a good job now uh i'm looking at his like they have his uh, lines as, as de- um stats laid out by year 2017 to 2020 and what i like about it is he just improved every year every everything except, uh, t- except for 2020 which we're not going to count that because that was just a dumpster fire every year and everything was different in terms of how we're counting things so using normal uh seasons with normal rules and normal like you know everything's working the way we expect it to he just improved every year a, a drastic improvement so that's what i like to see whenever Obviously, uh, when you perform at elite levels, uh, obviously you 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 grow, you adapt, you adjust, and then you just get better. That seems like what he's good at doing. So that's good. Good stuff. All right, so let's move on to our other weapon, 
in the fifth round, uh, 19 picks later and 181 Clemson wide receiver Cornell Powell. And the only thing that I'm going to, I'm going to kick this off with saying is that uh, Clemson knows how to make receivers. <laughs> that's uh, that's the biggest thing. Clemson knows how to make receivers. So Chris, what do you want to add to that? Yeah. The big thing on him is like, he, he actually didn't really crack uh, or really get many snaps at Clemson until his fifth year. But uh, he, he took advantage of the opportunity. So, I mean, uh, yeah, I think he has size. So he adds some size to the wide receiver room, which is good. And, yeah, I'm right there with you. I mean, if he's a typical Clemson receiver, which, you know, I think they've had a few like DeAndre Hopkins, Sammy Watkins, Mike Williams. I mean, just to name a few. Uh, he's obviously coming from a place that has a good reputation. Yeah, um, if he could use that size and step into a potential X number two role that we've mm -hmm. been looking for, um, I'm going to be happy if he puts heat on McCole Hardman. And again, I hope that he comes in and makes Hardman mad and play better. You know, the yeah. two the two players that I hope that this draft affects in a, in a deep way is I hope that McCole Hardman and Frank Clark just get mad that depth was drafted behind them and it, uh, it builds a fire and they play better. Yeah, no, I'm right there with you on Hardman. But by all means, um, these uh, rookies can take those those roles too if you're good enough. So, uh, Brian, uh, thoughts on our Clemson wide receiver? Well, uh, now I was looking up on Twitter, and was it, did my New York Jets do a good job on their wide receiver? I heard they got stacked <laughs> up pretty good. Is, is that did we know about that? So your 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 New York Jets uh, probably had a reasonably good draft. Um, is is really yeah. what it comes down to? I haven't seen them in like you know the worst drafts like the Raiders. But, uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, no the the Jets seem to do what they were supposed to do. the The only real yeah. thing is uh, they they took a questionable quarterback, um, and really the the whole question with it is uh, they drafted somebody that's going to need some development. And if there's a worse organization to develop a quarterback than the jets, I don't know which one it is, um, but out, but out. Yeah, probably. Um, <laughs> so they took a quarterback <laughs> as well, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so, uh, but, but all things considered the jets seem to, you know, get good value, not do any kind of major overreaching. They didn't do any, Hey, I'm going to break the draft. Cause I'm John Gruden. I know more than anybody type of stuff. Um, it seems like they took a uh, pretty pretty business type approach, and it could mm -hmm. work out for them. Well, um, now one thing about our, our wide receivers, it seems like there's uh, new people coming in, people moving on. People, it seems like it's a heavy rotation, heavy kind of turnover situation. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That's just kind of how I see it, like from my perspective. I guess any position is kind of like that, but we do it as opposed to our standards that we know, like in the the, the quarterback position or the tight end position. But, uh, yeah, I mean, if we get more weapons coming our way, uh, give them a shot and see what happens. Uh, but, I mean, it seems like it's just such a, such a spot that can people come in, go out, come in, go out, uh, that uh, I mean, give them a shot. If you, if you feel that's going to help uh, our weapons and then make everyone, uh, you know, make everyone else better around you, go for it. And with all this Jets talk, I'm now on Amazon. I think I might need to buy a Jets shirt uh sometime tonight so whenever that we play the jet no whenever the jets have a game i want to wear my jets shirt so uh i have to do that oh josh if you want to buy one for me and send it to me i'm not against that either <laughs> yeah yeah and uh cores like and sponsors if they want to too um <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no yeah yeah, yeah no yeah, yeah yeah you want some carmex okay so last pick that we had was another brick in the wall tennessee guard trey smith um Great O-line depth. And again, another brick in the wall. Chris, anything to add beyond that? I just keep hearing over and over. I don't care who you you have been going to, if it's ESPN, CBS, you know, any pundit strongly believes like the rich got richer with this pick because mm -hmm. um, Trey Smith outside of health concerns would have probably gone. By the way, gone... being rich is awesome. Just to Yeah, I'm not complaining. Being rich I hear is yeah, actually, <laughs> actually, my 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 uh, my song for the draft would have been Privilege by R.E.M. because I, yeah, I definitely feel go. privileged here. But yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I heard that he would either be a, a late first or, you know, a second round pick and the Chiefs got him in the sixth because 
of uh, blood clots uh, that he's he's been fighting through. And if you know he's able, if if that issue can be managed, I mean, again, this this is another reason why I think the, the Chiefs' offensive line is the deepest unit on the team. And with this type of depth, I mean, I don't think you're going to see another makeshift offensive line like we saw in the Super Bowl. Yeah. So player bio, uh, Mr. Football award twice, first team, all American and top 10 overall recruiting rating nationally. So that was, um, university school at Jackson in Tennessee. Um, then, uh, he received, uh, let's see here. Uh, second team, all sec, freshman all-american sec all-freshman recognition as a 12-game starter right guard and uh left tackle so there you go there's some versatility Mm -hmm. um then uh blood clots in his lungs um and uh his mom you know unfortunately passed away from congestive heart failure when he was at the university school at uh, jackson in tennessee so you know, uh, sorry to hear about that for him and everything, but he worked, he lost a lot of weight. He garnered, um, first team, all sec honors after he moved to left guard, he started 12 of his 13 games played there. And this is just looking at his biography, received the Jason Witten award for leadership on the field and community service off the field and, uh, Fritz Pollard trophy for extraordinary courage and community values. So there you go. Played in the senior bowl, all, all of that stuff. I mean, he's a, he's a guy that, that sounds like a pro and uh, you know, hopefully his body doesn't fail him. And uh, you know, after, after we go through the whole list of everything, Chris, who do you think our starting offensive line is going to be? Uh, my feeling is going to be um, from left to right. I've got Brown, Tooney, Humphrey. I think he's going to win out the job. LDT probably. And then at right tackle, probably Lucas Niang. I would agree with you with everything, except that I think Blythe holds Humphrey off for the beginning of the season. <laughs> I, I, I think Blythe, Blythe is too much of a, Which isn't a, a pro bad to lose his job. And uh, yeah, but uh, I, I think it's one of those things where we're going to be going through the preseason, wondering which of those two is going to mm-hmm. get it. And um, I also feel like uh, Remmers and Yang are going to, you know, battle for that right tackle position. And um, there, there is nothing that I would love more than to see a battle for every single position. I don't think anybody's going to have anything to mm-hmm. say with Thune at the uh, left guard position, but I, I tell you the uh, battle that I would love to see is Lucas Niang taking a run at that left tackle job oh, yeah. and Brown relegating him to the right. There is nothing I would love to see more than that than to have two yep. pissed off tackles just ready to uh, prove themselves week in and week out. And uh, we might be having Mahomes do 12-step drop back type of uh, things before he wings the ball 80 yards down the field. I, I am so looking forward to watching this line get to work. It's not yeah. even funny. I see a lot of uh, post uh, routes by Tyreek Hill down the middle. Absolutely. He's able to get the protection for damn sure. We got uh, we got Hill on a quadruple move post. Yeah. <laughs> you'll see some more jet chip wasp because that's what you'll see. <laughs> yeah. Do we have time to run wasp? It's like, Patrick, right. we, we can run triple wasp. What's that's triple right. wasp? I don't know. We're going to make it up right now. <laughs> uh yeah so we're we're, we're gonna have somebody walk by and like draw something out on a napkin which by the way have either of you guys watched the new uh mighty duck series on uh disney nope. plus i don't have access but i know of it uh it's pretty awesome it really is yeah um it, it's nice to see emilio estevez back as gordon bombay and um he's uh he's he's uh the the awkward gordon bombay that you want so <laughs> Very cool. disney plus just for that pretty awesome yeah when when it was about to come out hulu was like had the original mighty ducks like front and center so it's like one saturday morning i'm like yeah i'll take a trip back to childhood here and like yeah i still love the first mighty ducks movie oh it's a great movie um oh yeah i uh i like the second one and uh i think it's awesome that they make the evil uh team the, yeah, uh, the ice team from the yeah. ice hockey team from iceland they use colors that iceland would never use and yes. uh they have the coach who was the, the the guy who was just the total 
you know, goon that doesn't teach yeah. kids, right? There's no way in hell that that guy coaches with for the, Iceland in real life. Pat Riley here, dude. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, Iceland, <laughs> Iceland does not hire that guy. I promise you, Iceland doesn't is, hire that guy. Is it as ridiculous yeah. as in Twister? Like, you have the good guy scientists and you have the bad guy scientists. They're all about the money, not the science. I'm like, who sponsors tornado hunting and who cares? Like, why are they like wearing black and like matrix style glasses yeah. when they're hunting twisters? For the record, <laughs> I think Twister is one of the top five dumbest movies I've ever seen. <laughs> I hated that movie. I've always hated that movie. Yeah, it was uh it was something. Uh I don't know. Uh what what's the cow scene is pretty funny. And uh and what else? Is the... Well, the, yeah, and then and then where they have the uh, TV antenna. Hey, spoiler word alert on a thirty-year movie. Um, they have the antenna <laughs> impale Carrie Ellis through the windshield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just like, come on, this is just this is dumb. Okay, so uh, anything else we want to get into before we do our final takes? <laughs> uh, one last thing I want to say about Trey Smith is he took Tennessee scholarship over Ohio State, Ole Miss, and Alabama. So, oh, well, there you go. Heavy hitters, sir. He was a Tennessee guy, yeah. He had offers from all of those stuff. That's yeah. crazy. All right, Brian, what's your last take? Oh, my last take. Okay, I thought I, I talked about this earlier, but I just want to put it out there. We we finally got into the Fitbit world in this in this household. And I gotta say, it's pretty sweet. Uh, it took us a long time to get there, but we have the Fitbit now, and my wife is now trying to get her ten thousand steps in. Uh, which means, like, instead of you know, we don't want to go outside and do that. So running around the house and doing it instead of like, you know, running up down the sidewalk or something, but it's a nice way to get out and do something. And I, one thing I do like about it is like, if you go traveling, if you're in a tourist situation, they give you like a nice little walking pass that you can find wherever you're at. So you get your 10,000 steps in on a, like a, a, a preferred like walking trail of some kind. So I gotta say I'm a big fan and the gamification of getting off your ass and going, doing something. I'm all about it. If you can turn this into a game, I should be doing it, but turn it into a game and trick me into doing it. I like that. I'm a big fan of that kind of play. So thank you. Fitbit. All right. So Brian's getting fit or someone's getting bit. Chris, what do you have? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, so the Aaron Rodgers saga continues. Um, The, uh, the latest news story is that the Packers are actively looking for another quarterback right now, which they say is really just to be another training camp arm. So Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers does not, um, I guess, wear themselves out too much during training camp. But really, the, the whole point here is um, just how incredibly good the Chiefs organization is, because if Every draft pick you hear, especially on the offensive side of the ball, you hear Patrick Mahomes' name mentioned as being involved. And I'm not saying that Patrick Mahomes is is making the pick, but there's clearly some communication there and with the front office, with the coaching staff, and with you know the guy who's most impacted by every player you take on offense just to be on the same page and not to blindside him. And I don't know exactly what happened with the Jordan Love pick, because from on the surface, it sounds like Aaron Rodgers had no idea that was coming. And I wonder, you know, just how much the Packers organization just literally does not talk to him. Um, you know, so just just be grateful that the Chiefs are as good as they are from the top down. And I feel very confident because of that, that Patrick Mahomes is not going to end up you know, trying to shoot his way out of town like Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson, or even Russell Wilson have. Yep, yep. Um, I definitely think that we're fortunate to have an owner and coach and uh, and Clark Hunt and a coach and coach Reed and Brett Veach. And yeah, it seems like all three of those guys talk. Um, I, I maintain the thing that got John Dorsey fired was that he cut Macklin without anybody knowing. Um, there, there's no way that's ever going to get confirmed, no. but it, it just seemed like a bit of disharmony and, uh, you know, Clark Hunt don't play that homie don't play that. Nope. And, uh, the Packers don't have an owner and, uh, Mark Murphy's a joke. I, I think that guy's the, uh, biggest joke in the NFL, uh, from, uh, just the leader standpoint. And I think he is the third worst owner behind Dan Snyder and Jim Dolan. So that, that, that's it. I have nothing good to say about Mark Murphy. This whole thing's his fault. Um, even if Gutekus was the one who uh, picked Jordan Love when nobody knew, you, you get fired for doing stupid stuff like that. Yeah, and as if 
firing him is actually going to keep Rodgers on the team. I, well, I, you should have fired him last year. Should should have fired like him it, last yeah. year. You should have fired him last year. Just by like, did you seriously trade up for a quarterback without telling us about it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like you you're you're fired. You're fired. That's just, that's just bad communication. You're fired. Here's your general. here's your yeah. whatever million dollar severance. It's like it's not even worth it. It's just like get out of our building and don't ever come back. It is ridiculous. You uh you seriously yeah. shot a missile across the deck of one of the the best quarterbacks you know to ever play. It's just yep. unacceptable. Unacceptable. Did he won the MVP last season too? He did. He did. He did. Yeah. I mean, the, he had one of the, the greatest seasons any quarterback has had. Too. Exactly. That's the funny thing. Yeah. The the way that Murphy and Gutikas work. I mean, this this is like Murphy watching Gutikas show up to work drunk, and you know, not <laughs> only not sending him home, or not only not firing him, he didn't even send him home. It, it's like this. This doesn't work. You can't have a fifth in your in your in your desk drawer at a fortune 500 company it's just you, you don't get to do that <laughs> this isn't mad men anymore exactly exactly <laughs> and and your your dad's not the owner so you don't get to act we can't that way find out about this you're gonna do that can't, exactly. we can't find out about it <laughs> exactly all right so my final take um gonna, gonna go back to baseball here uh i don't know if you guys saw this but john means from the orioles through a yep. no hitter the other day wow. and uh the orioles are a horrible baseball team probably the worst one in the league they have been for a couple of years um this year is going to be no different but john means goes out and uh threw a no hitter now the thing that's crazy anytime i see a no hitters hit by the way the orioles have 10 that was the 10th that's that's a pretty good number of no hitters but uh, anytime i see a no hitter my first question is okay so how close was it to a perfect game and so this one in particular was really weird. So I go to look at the box score and I see zero walks. I see zero errors and I see zero hit by pitch. And I'm like, well, what the hell happened? So what it was in the third, uh, the third inning, there was a wild pitch. And not only is that a, a, a rare thing, this was actually the first time that it ever happened where a guy throws mm-hmm. a no hitter. He doesn't walk anybody. There isn't an error. There isn't a uh, hit by pitch for putting a batter on base or anything like that. Just a drop third strike. Yeah. Exactly. This is yeah. this is what I remember when we first started playing baseball. Is like you run after the oh, third yeah. strike because there's a 50-50 chance that your fourth grade classmate didn't catch the ball yeah. and uh, he's not going to be able to stand up and throw it to first base. And yeah. I, I don't know what I think about this situation um, as a whole. <laughs> I kind of, since they gave it a wild pitch. So, so there's a wild pitch and there's a pass ball. A wild pitch means that it was a pitcher's fault. A pass ball means it was the catcher's fault. I think there's a little more nuance to it, but that's, that's really it. But to a certain degree, it's just like, man, uh, come on, catch. <laughs> yeah. Get in front yeah. of it, knock it down, make a play. Oh, geez. Well, the other cool thing about John means is he's the, f- he is the first Kansas born. He's, he was born in Kansas. Uh, per, I guess, pitcher to throw no hitter since Walter Johnson. And for any baseball fans out there, you're talking like pre 1940 when you're talking Walter Johnson. I, I can't remember exactly what era he pitched in, but uh, yeah, yeah a little bit of right a tie now. there to the state of Kansas. Yeah, John Means from uh, Olathe. So That's right. uh, Walter Johnson baseball yeah. so we're gonna look here well we'll see okay so this picture is really old looking and yep. uh he's got one of those like crunched up hats it's got half a bill and it's turned <laughs> off to the side so that's his glove is probably no not that much bigger than his hand yeah so walter <laughs> walter perry johnson uh november uh 6th 1887 is when he was born and he died in 1946 nicknamed barney in the big train uh, he was he was from humboldt Yep. Humboldt, Kansas. Yeah. Um, Brian, where's Humboldt? Um, it is south of Salina, uh, south uh, southwestish. Uh, no, central westish. Uh, it's like maybe west of Hillsboro by about an hour and a half, maybe. Tell me, okay. I'm, tell me I'm wrong. Okay. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking it up right now. Um, so let's see. Humboldt is on Highway 169. So that's. Okay, so it's by Iola. Okay, so it's it's just north of Chanute. Uh, 
Oh, I was way rough. I was way. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's so it's southeast. Uh, it's it's actually east of El Dorado. So it's just it's just (laughs) north of uh, Chanute, Kansas. Which uh, shout out to Ben Barnhart if you're still around watching any of this stuff. Um, I remember uh, one of the uh, great Roy D. Mercer gigs that he had. He uh, called the. uh tulsa travel agency or sorry the bixby oklahoma which is a suburb of tulsa travel agency to uh ask about one of their tours because he had a bunch of uh couples from chanute kansas coming down for uh for a reunion (laughs) i remember that one yeah yeah how much for one of y'all's tours (laughs) i think uh, what i described to you when i was describing where i thought humboldt was uh, i was looking at what i said and turns out i confused humboldt with pratt which is oh Oh, oh wow. very bad, very bad. Um, so I mean, I, was, I didn't confuse it. I, I I remember playing Humboldt in a basketball tourney whenever I was like in high school, and it was in that part of the state. And I'm like, I can't imagine sure. someone driving from all the way from Snow to do that. But turns out I was wrong. They would drive that far. So okay. Well, keep in mind, we drove all the way down to Ulysses and Elkhart for really anything. Um, so uh, yeah, that was a long. Lo- logic's kind of out the uh, out the window here. <laughs> I go to, I'd rather go to Hastings, Nebraska. And play. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Elk, Elkhart, and Ulysses. <laughs> oh, glory days! All right. Uh, anything else, guys? Uh, no, nope. I think we covered it. All good right. lesson on the geography of the state of Kansas, sir. All right. Well, everybody. Uh, good night. Go Chiefs. Go Royals. Go SKC. <laughs> Chiefs. 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 <laughs>